ask you to please prepare yourself for the prayer of illumination and then the scripture reading. Bow your heads, please. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, to read them, mark them, and learn them, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Grant us grace to receive your truth and faith and love, and the strength to follow on the path you have set before us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the first reading comes from Genesis, the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Hiram. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 6b through 13. Then Jesus went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. And if any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick, and they cured them. This is the word of the Lord. So last week, if you, if you were with us, uh, either online or here in person, uh, we talked about Jesus preaching in his hometown, and we also uh, talked about the reaction of those people that had known Jesus his whole life, even his family before he was born, and, and how they perceived him uh, as, a, as a person of faith and a person uh, in, in the synagogue preaching and knowing the word so well. Uh, many of them were amazed, but many of them were shocked, and it told us a lot about the, the people that were there in Nazareth and their faith. 
Um, and that what I hope you heard from me was an encouraging word to embrace the living Christ that we see in other people. And also that experience we have of knowing Christ that we'll share that with other people when we come in contact with. So I kind of wanted to continue that, that line of thought today in our, in our readings. Um, the lectionary uh, usually has the Mark story of Jesus preaching uh, in his hometown and the verse that you just heard today about sending out the 12 together. And I broke those two apart because I felt that they, they both really richly deserved uh, their, their own day. Um, I've also been thinking a little bit about, uh, due to my kind of uh, temporary role here as the interim head of staff, that I'm actually preaching a lot more than I was in the previous couple of years that I was here. Um, and so since then, I, I use a particular benediction that's a bit different, and, and people have asked me about that, so I thought I would kind of weave that in uh, as well. I mean, back when you only heard from me about once a quarter, it, it, it didn't really uh, resonate much, but now that you're hearing from me a couple couple of times a month, um, it is kind of bringing up some good questions, I think, and, and some understanding, because I want us to understand the theology of, of everything that we do uh, here in worship uh, together. So I really wanted to explore that. And like, uh, like Sarah told the children, I mean, the benediction is kind of our sending out our way of, of understanding what we're doing when we're going out back into the world. Uh, and, and for me, that's something really rooted in Scripture. Uh, now, I said uh, it was the benediction that I use. And I say that because it's not mine. I didn't write it. I didn't think it up. Um, it was uh, actually kind of given to me by a friend. Uh, that friend was the Reverend Peter Hale. Uh, he was the Paris associate at my first church in Moorhead City, North Carolina. Uh, Reverend Hale was the parish associate there, uh, like Lib is the parish associate here. And he and I became pretty good friends and I ministered there with him for uh, seven years in Moorhead. And uh, then I took uh, a call to Lynchburg, Virginia, uh, to the head of staff at that church. And for the installation service, Reverend Hale and his wife, Ann, came up to, to be with Susie and I that weekend. And, and um, after the service was over, he told me, he said, you know, I want you to start using my benediction. And I said, well, no, that's yours. I mean, that you've kind of always used that. And he said, no, you know, I'm retiring, and I, I would really like you to have it and, and use it. It's been a very important part of my ministry. Um, and so I said, well, I'd think about it. And uh, a couple couple months after that visit, he, he passed away kind of unexpectedly. So I thought, okay, um, I'll, I'll honor his wishes, and I'll use it. So I've used it ever since, and and I hope it, it, it helps you and means something to you as it does to me. But I thought we would spend some time kind of talking about it this morning. Um, so I can break that benediction down into three uh, sections. Uh, to, to memorize things, you know, a lot of times you have to have a, a, a trigger, uh, something that'll help you memorize it, because usually when I say it on the floor, I'm not looking at notes, I'm just, just saying it. Um, so my trigger for the benediction is the go, go, there, there. So I, I, I say in my head before I walk down, go, go, there, there, go, go, there, there, and, 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 uh, and I'll get there. So here's the first part. Uh, you go nowhere by accident. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose for you being there. So for me, this first section is about movement. You know, we're never really static. Uh, we're always moving and, and going about, really just like the creator uh, who's always on the move uh, in life and, and in the world. Uh, 
We're on the move, whether we're just kind of here in the low country visiting friends or moving around or traveling around in the United States or maybe around the world. But one of the things that happens when we move and we go places and we're on the go is that we meet people and we develop relationships with those people. Now, many of you are here this morning in the sanctuary or watch, following along at home because you met someone that invited you to Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church. Now, it could have been your parents who invited you, and maybe you grew up here, but you came here because someone invited you. You stayed here because someone had a relationship with you that kept you here, and because of that relationship that you have with that person, you drew closer to God, closer to Christ in this relationship, and you continued to come back. Um, so this movement of people, this, this contact with people and this building of relationships has been really going on since creation. Uh, we can look back, especially in Genesis, and see Adam and Eve and Noah and his family. And today we hear about Abram and his family. They were on the move. Um, as Ron read this morning from our Old Testament, it said, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and those who dishonor you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Now, when God called Abram, and he's not yet Abraham, we've got five more chapters before we can call him Abraham. I'll probably slip up and call him that, but I'm going to try to uh, stick with Abram. Uh, Abram was living in Mesopotamia uh, in, a, in a city that about 150 miles southeast of Babylon in what today would be modern-day uh, Iraq. He, was in a, he grew up in a, in a city called Ur, um, Ur of the Chaldeans. And Ur was a very advanced city for its time and was believed to have been founded about 500 years before Abram and his family lived there. Um, Ur could be compared to really any of the modern cities of that era. It had libraries and the school, uh, schools for children and a system of law. It was a rich and wealthy city because as they've dug up uh, they, where they know where this is and they've done some excavations and archaeology work, they found really ornate jewelry and very expensive pieces of pottery. So they know there were really some valuable treasures in that area, so there was a lot of wealth. Um, the religion of Ur in Abram's time was based on astrology, uh, which was practiced in that region quite a bit. And Abram's father, Terah, according to the book of Joshua, worshipped these uh, astrological idols. And Jewish tradition would tell us that Terah, his father, actually made idols for people to worship. He was an idol maker. So you can kind of deduct that if you lived in a prosperous and wealthy city, uh, that the inhabitants uh, worshipped idols. And your dad was an idol maker I think you can kind of make a little jump there that Abram's family was of means, uh, maybe of uh, some wealth. And we also know that by knowing the possessions uh, that Abram owns and, and has. Uh, so we know in those days also that it wasn't very common for people to move around 
uh, a family like Abram's that had means and had a way of creating income generally stayed put. Uh, they didn't have Google Maps or uh, an atlas or something to look up and see what the next town over looked like and if they wanted to go there and visit. Uh, mostly in their culture, things that were far away, things that were a distance, things that were over mountains or on the other side of water were things that were to be feared and, and were scary. So it was very unusual for people to just pack up and take off. Um, but, you know, that's exactly what Abram does. Um, he just listens to God and he goes. Now, I've got to believe that Abram had some questions about that. You've, you've got to believe he had maybe some questions for God, like, is this really what I'm supposed to do? Am I really supposed to do this? But we don't hear any of that. He just gets up and goes. And that's very important for us to think about his relationship with God and how he responds to that. Um, it's, also, it's also important for us to think about where he was going, um, God doesn't say to Abram, I want you to leave Ur and go to these coordinates. He says to him, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I have shown you. God is sending Abram to a place. He, he's, he's not sending him to like an empty house or an address. Uh, God is sending Abram to a people. Uh, a people who populate this particular place. And it says to become a great nation of people. And, the, and these people are to have a relationship with Abram, and they are also to have a relationship with God. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and those who dishonor you I will curse. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth will be blessed because Abram goes on this journey. Now, again, the, the word that we translate as nation is not a country or a capital city or an address. That The Hebrew word there is go we, and it means people. Uh, I will make you a great people. Go we appears about 500 times in the Old Testament, so it, it's an important word. That is what God was trying to teach us since creation. It's about people, our relationship with each other and with God. It's about people in a community that God has formed and that God has sustained. God is purposefully sending us, each and every one of us, each and every day, to be with other people, people that we need to minister to, and people who might just need to minister to us. So whether you're on your way to the grocery store or the doctor's office or maybe even the DMV, or you come to church, God is sending you to learn, to grow, and to strengthen your relationship with God and others through your going. So our going is not an accident. It's part of God's plan for you and for me to go there where God is at work and to help fulfill God's purposes and build God's kingdom in that particular place. So that leads us to our second section of the benediction. Christ who dwells in you has something he wants to do through you wherever you are. Christ indwelling in us wants to do something in these relationships that God has led us to. 
God leads us into these group of people, the people that we meet, and Christ fills us with the will of God to do something. We go there to do God's will for that relationship. We're not there just to take up space and have fun and, and, uh, and make relationships. Maybe that's a byproduct of what we do. Hopefully it is. But we're really there for God's purposes, to do something in God's will. In our New Testament reading, Jesus sends out the twelve to go there. And this is what it said. And he went about the, among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belt, but to wear their sandals and not to put on two tunics. So if you think about it, Jesus sent the disciples out in a way that would require them to depend on relationships with other people just to survive. And if they came to a place where that relationship was not welcome or it was not healthy, then they were to shake the dust off their shoes and get the heck out of there. Jesus' ministry and the ministry he taught to the disciples was to go out and meet people exactly where they are to meet them in their homes, to meet them in their workplaces, to meet them in communal gathering spots. He taught the disciples to be kind, to be welcoming, and especially to be welcoming to the stranger and make them a friend. That same indwelling spirit that Christ sent out with the disciples is also in you and it's in me. We must take the time out of our busy schedules to be with each other, to listen to one another, to love each other, even in our disagreements. Christ calls us as a body to live in unity, the unity of love for God and the unity of the love for one another. We are not called to uniformity, which means that we all look alike, talk alike, think alike, and maybe vote alike. That's uniformity, and that is not biblical. Christ calls us to live in unity in one God, one faith, one love that is inside each and every one of us. And finally, believe this and go in his grace, his love, his peace, and his power. My friends, you either believe this or you don't. You either believe that Christ is alive and working in you and in me and in this church for the reconciliation of relationships in the building up of God's kingdom. Or you don't. That's called free will. And it's a choice each and every one of us can make. But I don't think that you would be a part of this community. I don't think that you would be here in the sanctuary or looking at us online and being with us online if you didn't believe this to be true. You go, where, you go nowhere by accident is not a place. Abram and Jesus and many other biblical witnesses were not sent to places. They were sent to people. It's all about relationships. Life and how God intends us to live that life is about our relationship with one another. And through those relationships, we each draw closer to God. It's about loving each other, even if we have differences. 
What did Jesus oppose the most in his ministry? The Pharisees. Not the people, but how they lived their lives. The Pharisees loved the law. They had taken biblical law and they had created rules and policies around that law that they worshipped and loved more than they loved each other. They certainly loved the law over and above people that were not like them. They used the law to build themselves up and to tear others down. They used the law to build physical and social barriers to keep the others out. So remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees in Matthew's gospel. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment is in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On, those two, on these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. So it's not about rules and regulations. It's not about who's in charge. It's not about a location. It's not about personalities and buildings and furniture or music preferences. It's about relationships. Love one another as I have loved you is the most important law the law above all other laws. So my friends, it's time to get moving. Let's look for places in the church and in our community where we see God at work and go there. Don't be timid. Don't be scared. God will fill you with that indwelling spirit of Christ to accomplish God's purposes wherever you may go. It's actually pretty easy if you'll just follow the one who calls you. Now believe this and go in his grace, his love, his peace, and his power. Amen.